Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You want to replay the point? Okay. Mr. Vavrinka wants to replay the point. 15 on. And good evening and welcome to Replay the Point. Today is Sunday, September 17th, 2017. Pete Zebron of Tennis Acumen, joined by Karen Health of Tennis View Magazine. Good evening, Karen. Hi, Pete. Hi, hi. And uh, one week ago, Rafael Nadal lifted the trophy, and eight days ago, Sloane Stevens did the same in New York. Um, we're here a week after that, and uh, we'll break down what we haven't had a chance to do since that period of time. And, Karen, we're going to start with the WTA where, uh, against long odds, we had four Americans in the semifinals. Thrilling, if you will, to uh, to see how all that unfolded and, and some nice opportunities with Sloane Stevens eventually taking home her very first major. Yeah, you know, Sloane started the year with surgery, and when I saw her back in March at Indian Wells, she was greeting people in a cast, <laughs> The practice course. So, you know, to think six months later that she's able to, you know, have such a big achievement is pretty impressive. Completely agree. And this came from nowhere. I uh, obviously cast came off. She played around at Wimbledon, lost there, lost in Washington, started to find her form a little bit in Canada. Um, I saw a couple parts of her matches in Cincinnati, uh, the tail end of when she beat Petra Kvitova, and then uh, she was battling quite hard against Makarova in Cincy, and obviously I, we both, I think, saw the semifinal where she lost quite poorly to uh, Simona Hollop. But a nice, very nice run for Sloan Stevens, uh, paired up with, with Madison Keys in that final just over an hour, but um, yeah, Heck of a run for Sloan, and uh, along the way uh, in, the, in the semifinal, Karen defeated Venus Williams, uh, two points away from being ousted in that semifinal. She found a way and made it happen. Yeah, you know, and, and I've got to think for Sloan, you know, obviously Venus was someone she looked up to getting into tennis and growing up in tennis. Um, you know, dream comes true to play her on one hand and maybe – difficult on another you know I think a lot of what we're seeing with Sloan now is a maturity and a composure um, that perhaps she hasn't had previously she's still pretty young I think she's she 24 I'd have to look that up but I think somewhere around there um, you know and I, and I was thinking back you know earlier on we saw her play some pretty big matches I don't remember 
what round it was, but at the Australian Open, she came up against Victoria Zarenka several years ago. Uh, and I want to say it might have been the quarters. You know, so we've had flashes of mm-hmm. her ability and her capability for a while. And I was kind of thinking, you know, she's maybe in a way kind of like Grigor a little bit that has, you know, had some big expectations has had some big performances that just maybe hasn't been stringing it together quite so well. So mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see how she handles this big occasion, this big moment. You know, she made a comment to Madison, gosh, I might as well retire now. This might be the best stuff I'm ever going to do. So, you know, I'm kind of hoping you know, maybe that isn't the mindset that's going to stick with her um, and that someone can kind of help push her and inspire her to reach Four more, you know, obviously she's got some good tennis in her and she's still quite young. Yeah, interesting. I I caught that comment as well. And the last time I heard such a comment, Karen, was when Baghdadis lost in the Australian Open final to Federer a long time ago. And Baghdadis was, I don't know how serious he was or joking, uh, probably just in a good mood saying that uh, he, he he may have even retired uh, had he won that match because nothing could ever top that. So you never know. Um, some people climb the mountain. Uh, again, we've talked on the show about Angie Kerber reaching world number one, not having a great year. Um, I, I sure as heck hope this is not uh, – Sloan's not going to be satisfied by this. I don't think so. Uh, but at the same point in time, you, you never know, especially with such a, a quick rise here uh, in the last couple uh, – really in the last few weeks. Yeah, really. I mean, the last couple months of the season, she's been able to put some things together and put it all together on the biggest stage, you know, so that is impressive. And that's what I was trying to recall is her playing prior on prior big stages and Australia definitely came to mind. So, you know, I think that may be a sign that that is something that kind of fuels her fire. You know, some people get intimidated by the bigger stage feel too much of the pressure, and it seems like for her, she's enjoying it. So let's, let's hope that we'll continue to see some more of it because she's obviously got great potential. Yeah, were you surprised that she beat Venus? Uh, obviously, Venus has taken some long routes in, in winning matches, going three quite a mm-hmm. few times uh, in New York and, and even during the year. But it just seems, okay, someone can either can, can even take the first set from Venus, but obviously it's it's far from over. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, she just Venus has just found ways to win matches uh, when it gets down to crunch time. And she was right there, two points away. Uh, again, won the second set against Sloan, six love, uh, very competitive in the, in the third. But uh, Venus mm-hmm. was right there, and Sloan found a way. That one surprised me a little bit, again, given the fact that how well Venus Williams has played in 2017. Yeah, I mean, Venus right now is ranked number five. So, you know, she cracked back into the top ten and she's continued to climb back up that ladder. So, again, extremely, uh, you know, just fantastic performance. Yeah, I would say I was surprised. If I had to, you know, Mm -hmm. pick one or the other, I probably would have said, yeah, you know, I think Venus is going to come out with the upper hand. I didn't think it was going to be an easy match. Uh, Sloan is a powerful hitter. Um, mm-hmm. She can dig in and, you know, she can, you know, like I said, I, I that one match against Vika at the Australian Open just stands out to me with them just cracking the ball and, you know, really 
um, having very powerful shots, and, you know, Venus is similar in that light. So, um, and then the other thing I think about is, you know, with Sloan, probably there was a period of time earlier in the season when she was trying to realize, can I really trust my foot? Mm-hmm. And can I trust that my injury is really healed? And then maybe hit that point where she stopped thinking about her body so much and just started playing. I um, mean, you know, I've heard, you know, players talk about that in the recovery process is, yeah, your doctor says you're healed, but you got to go out there and put the weight on it, <clears throat> put the, the pressure on it, the twists, the turns, and all of those things. So I do wonder if that, you know, was part of her kind of amping up over time too and playing out the season very strong at the end, knowing she could trust her body, she could count on it. Um, you know, we know Venus can have her up and down periods, although it seemed like at the U.S. Open she was really consistently in, in very good shape. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I think this is a bright light, not against Venus, but a bright light for Sloan. Um, I don't think Venus is going anywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Right. Um, but it only takes a few points, and, you know, Venus had those opportunities, but she didn't close, and when you don't close, then you're giving somebody a chance, and someone like Sloan that, you know, young, enthusiastic, wide-eyed, you know, every reason to push for it, uh, why not, you know, and and we're seeing that across the board on the men's side and the women's side, and I think this year has been exciting because of that. There are those moments when the younger player, the up-and-coming player, you know, we're seeing more breakthroughs. Um, and what we want to probably say are surprises, but at the same time, if you look at a progression of a player over time um, and their ability to mature, become more confident, um, play a little more freely, have a little more experience under their belt, all of those things are just, you know, a succession of learning that hopefully play out and yield dividends down the road. So I think that's part yep. of it. No, well put, absolutely. And Madison Keys, a, a stellar tournament for her as well. Uh, ironically, played Coco Vandaway in the semifinals, I think the third <laughs> time in, in five weeks, unreal, after mm-hmm. you know not playing. And then, boom, uh, it's the, been the same result. Uh, uh, Keys winning quite handily uh, each and every time. But nice line score for her. But uh, – Unfortunate uh, that she just wasn't happening for her on on finals uh, mm-hmm. Saturday against Sloane Stevens. I think Sloane had a lot to do with that, but at the same point in time, uh, it's a rough uh, rough go for Madison Keys in the final. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm you know, lots of people talked about the fact that you know, what happened to Madison, what happened. You know, I, it, look, it may be the occasion. You know, again, she was another one coming out injured the start of the year, uh, was tearful across at Indian Wells about being back and playing and realizing how much she missed it. Um, but there's a lot of emotion that goes into being in a Grand Slam final like that, you know, especially at home. So, you know, I'm sure some of those things play in. You know, you get the jitters. Can you control your nerves? You can't control your nerves. You can't control your serve. And, you know, the adrenaline maybe gets going too much, and now things that would normally hit the lines are, are going wide or going long, you know. So it's all experience, and, I, you know, again, a disappointment, I'm sure, in terms of what she hoped her performance would be. But, 
getting to a Grand Slam final, still a pretty major accomplishment. Yep, and uh, Vandaway, whom she beat in the semifinals, Karen, I didn't realize this, but uh, Coco had never been past the second round ever. She, in, eight, in eight appearances at the U.S. Open, she has a cumulative record of four and eight coming in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, took out uh, Pliskova in straight sets in the quarterfinals to set up that semifinal match against Madison Keys, but uh, Coco Vandaway sort of quietly bookends, if you will, uh, pair of semifinals uh, in uh, in both the Australian Open and U.S. Open this year. Nice uh, nice run for her, nice and obviously very powerful player can make it happen there. Uh, do you foresee her accomplishing bigger things in the next few years on the WTA Tour? I think she absolutely has the potential. Um, to me, and again, this is my observation, that it's definitely more of a mental thing with her than physical. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. She's got the serve. She's got the power. Um, She's a very good athlete in the way that, you know, she moves and things like that. Um, I don't know if her current coaching situation is the best matchup or not. Mm -hmm. And this isn't a judgment one way or the other. She did make a mention Something about, you know, they're both uh, kind of, you know, inspired personalities in their own way, and they're <laughs> kind of having to find a way to balance that out. You know, and I, I don't know, sometimes you say, you know, just like regular relationships, opposites attract. Well, it seems like they're kind of like and like, but maybe that means that he gets her, and that's a good thing. So I think, you know, it remains to be seen um, probably – how things look in Australia, are they still there together and uh, you know, right. what she's looking like. But, but yeah, of course, that huge potential. And a um, couple other players we'll make mention of uh, here. Petra Gvitova, you know, wonderful storyline, continues coming back. I did have a chance to see her play briefly in Cincy, as I mentioned earlier, in, in the loss to Sloan Stevens. But uh, took out uh, Garbina Muguruza in straights, a very, very solid win for her and then lost in three to Venus Williams, uh, losing the third set breaker, 7-2. She just never got off to a good start in that breaker, was right there playing very well against Venus Williams, but uh, extremely nice to see Petra Kvitova back and getting the warm welcome she deserves. Yeah, I mean, you know, Petra, I, I'm, I'm kind of calling this year the year of the wounded warrior, right? Mm. I mean, we had... So on both the men and, and women's side when you yep. looked at the U.S. Open this year. Uh, and, again, amazing strides. And, you know, we weren't even sure after December whether she was going to be playing tennis again, let alone, you know, having this type of performance at a Grand Slam. So, again, I think a lot of upside for her, um, a lot of emotion in being back. I think we saw that, you know, quite a few times from her on the court, which is great to see. It obviously means a lot to her. And I'm sure she's doing things probably six months ago she was, you know, maybe doubting she'd be able mm-hmm. to. So despite, you know, not coming all the way through, uh, it, it's still got to feel like a, a good place and a good performance. Yep, agreed. And well, just turning it back to the, the match that really kicked off the U.S. Open Karen, round one, a blockbuster number two seed, 
Simone Halep taking on Maria Sharapova. Just, you know, mm-hmm. Sharapova's had her numbers over the year. It was uh, everything and more of a match, uh, incredible match that uh, Maria Sharapova won, got to the fourth round, uh, lost Sevasova. But, um, again, given everything that Maria's gone through, uh, coming back and then getting derailed, if you will, uh, she didn't play Canada, didn't play since he uh, was all smiles, uh, you know, with even – you know, in in a defeat, uh, the fact that she was able to compete as well as she 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 did. The book is out right now this week. I'm uh, looking forward to reading that one. And um, Maria Sharapova going forward. Your thoughts? Obviously, she's going to uh, you know get direct entry into some tournaments. Will still need to be wild carded in others. But uh, you know, you start winning matches at majors, your your ranking is going to escalate pretty quickly. Sure, and and I think. You know, that's the side that that's going to help her more than anything, not even just from an, obviously, entry standpoint, but I just think in terms of her own confidence, right? I'm, I'm here because my ranking warrants it. I'm here because I've got wins under my belt. Um, I'm, You know, I think at this point, I think a lot of players are like this now that have been around. I don't have anything to prove to anybody and I'm really yep. just out here proving to myself that I still want to do it. I can still put in the work. I can still keep my head together and stay focused and, you know, do the things that I want to do, and I'm still enjoying it. Um, you know, and so I think those are the, the more important parts, and obviously I think 2018 uh, – I think it's going to be an interesting year for Maria because, as you said, she's showing better form than she has and has had more opportunities to play. But she's also coming back to a very variegated WTA right now. You know, Serena's not around, but she will be back, and she's saying Australia is her goal. Um, Just looking at the top ten right now, we've got Garbini, Mona, Svitolina, Pliskova, Venus, Excuse me, Caroline Wozniacki, Joe Conta, Sybil Kova, and Yelena Ostapenko. I don't know that I would have put this list together at the end of the year. I mean, there's a few names that stick out, but it's a very interesting list of top ten right now. And we also know there are other younger players, you know, um, Gavrilova and, and quite quite a few others who are stepping up and challenging the more traditional stronghold players, and I don't think that's going to change. I think that that dynamic for next year and and hopefully beyond is going to continue. And so it's a different WTA tour than when she left for her suspension in terms of that. Yep, Good call. I I like that a lot. And um, before we shift over to the men's U.S. Open 2017, anything else you'd like to add uh, from the ladies? Uh, just Venus Williams, she's sitting at 49 career singles titles. 50 has just been elusive for her this year. Mm-hmm. So um, um, I'm, I'm sending a little love for way, hoping that she's going to get it in 2018. Yeah, no, <laughs> I hear you. And, nice, uh, nice number to have. She's yeah, absolutely. Up. No, I like that. I, I wasn't aware that was the number she's sitting on, but, yeah, that would be a, a, absolutely a monumental Next title for Venus and Karen Rafael Nadal, third U.S. Open title, 16th major overall. Uh, 
you know, people can say, oh, you know, the, the draw was, was what it was, but you have to play who's in front of you. Uh, did uh, lose a couple sets uh, in the first few rounds, did lose the opening set in the semifinal against Juan Martin Del Potro after that first set in the semi. Mm-hmm. It was all, not that it wasn't business anyway, but it was all Rafa Nadal that we're, we're used to seeing, and he just took Delpo apart and then did the same to Kevin Anderson in the final. Um, but, yeah, who who would have thought, I've heard this comment uh, passed along, who would have thought Rafa Nadal has more U.S. Open titles than Novak Djokovic? But uh, that is true, That is, and that's where we stand. And credit to uh, Rafa again, um we saw him playing Cincy a couple times. Uh, Kyrgios took him out. Shapovalov took him out in Canada. Maybe he wasn't mm-hmm. shaping up to uh, a lot of question marks in, in the game and head of Rafa Nadal heading into the U.S. Open, but he sure took care of business once he got to New York. Yeah, you know, and you were talking a little bit last time about him being a little more closed in pressers, and I was thinking around mm-hmm. the circumstances with Cincinnati, there were two dynamics going on there that I think were de- difficult for him. One was people, oh, you know, you're number one now, you know, people saying, oh, well, it happened by default. A, he's not a guy that celebrates what he didn't accomplish. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that now number one was not something he accomplished, but Cincinnati was sort of almost like a gray thing, and I don't think he really liked even talking about that so much. And then secondly – the Barcelona incident had also happened when he went into press. So yeah. given those couple of things, you know, mentally it's a little off from where he might normally be just because those are kind of hard circumstances or hard situations for him. Um, you know, and he's not going to be, like I said, you know, I, I watch him very carefully. It's always into me to watch Rafa win. I see him play someone and truly beat them because he's playing exceptional tennis versus mm-hmm. he played well enough to win, but his opponent made a lot of mistakes. And mm-hmm. probably not a lot of people pay attention to this, but there's a huge difference in the way that he celebrates given those circumstances. And you won't see the big fist pumps. You won't see the jump in the air. Those things happen when he knows he deserves it. Mm-hmm. And he knows that it was him that made that outcome. Um, you know, obviously the U.S. Open, look, you and I know to string together a succession of wins, especially three out of five sets at the end of the season for anybody yep. is exceptional. And you ask any player on tour, right? Anybody can win on a good day, but it's only going to be the players that can be consistent winners week after week after week that are going to get the ranking points, that are going to get the big titles, that are going to get the wins. And and I think the Rafa we're seeing right now is someone that is very pleased with the state of his body, pleased with the Mm -hmm. state of his game, and he's still out there loving it. And he had said in press, you know, I'm going to keep doing this as long as I'm enjoying it. And when I stop enjoying it, I'm going to go do something else. So I think all of that is, you know, very good for – how he's looking with his game, how he's feeling about the game, about wanting to be out there, about wanting to compete. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and just a sidebar question, just because you're you're very knowledgeable about Ruff. Obviously, credit to Tony Nadal, uh, who again, quote retiring, uh, not officially, not completely, but 
will uh, will step aside, if you will, and and show up, I guess, when he wants. But um, I don't necessarily want to frame this as a second wind for Rafa uh, because he's come back so many times from being on the shelf, but possibly a second wind with respect to his box. Uh, the fact that Carlos Moya is there, I, I you know asked him for some clarification on that, and he shared with me that he's answered it several times. Uh, you know, with Carlos and was quick to point out about Francisco Roich and the rest of his team as well. Uh, no disrespect to those guys, but given his friendship with Carlos Moya, given the fact that Carlos is going to be there, you know, and Tony won't be per se, is this, can you see when you, I'm asking you this because when you had mentioned the fact he's going to do this as long as he keeps enjoying it, do you sense possibly now a different tangent or two, if you will, of enjoyment uh, working with Carlos. Not to say that Tony's not there, but Carlos is. And, um, you know, I witnessed a little bit of his practice, and since he granted Moya was not there, uh, neither was Tony, obviously. But can you see this uh, rejuvenating Rafa, if you will, just as a, a fresh start, if you will, with, with, with a new voice? Um, you know, I think any time you make a change, it creates an opportunity for a new perspective, another outlook, you know, a fresh set of eyes, if you will. Um, you know, I, I don't know that, the, you know, something fundamentally his game is going to change a lot. And I also think given the state of his career, as long as he stays healthy, um, being, you know, happy out there competing, happy on the road. He has said Carlos is a great friend and he's been a great friend for a long time. So, sure, it's got to be great to have, you know, someone who's a friend and probably a confidant and, you know, a big support to him um, Mm -hmm. there. And as I mentioned before, I think that this has been a great transition year with Carlos and Tony working side by side. And, you know, I, I have to wonder in a way if it's been and I don't mean disrespect to Carlos, a little bit of training ground for Carlos to observe how Tony has worked with Rafa and what mm-hmm. has worked well and, you know, things that they can incorporate. But at the same time, he's his own person. He's going to bring his own, own things. And, you know, you look at the length of time these guys are on the tour. You know, I was looking at Roger earlier, what, since 1998. Um that's a, that's a lot of time at yep. doing any one thing, and in particular what tennis is like. So um, to bring new blood in and you know, new ideas, I, mean, I think that's probably in a way the secret to longevity. You know, Rogers changed coaches how many times, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yep. And one, one other question about Rafa before we move on to uh, the rest of the field, Karen. And obviously – one, something very big is missing uh, from Rafa's trophy case, and that is the uh, year-end championships. Uh, he's yet to have one. Murray got his first last year. Uh, Roger has mm-hmm. a bunch. Novak has a bunch. Uh, other guys even snuck one in there. David Danko, I believe, um, Nalbandian. But uh, this this is the time of year where, you know, Rafael Nadal is seemingly gassed, out of gas, is, is healing. Uh, yes, he's been to the year-end championship final a couple of times, hasn't gotten the job done, but uh, 
Obviously, a couple other guys will not be there. We know Novak and Andy won't be there. Uh, a lot, a lot of tennis to be played between now and then. But uh, you think this is one of his better chances to get it done this year? I, I mean, given performance, it seems so. Um, I don't know how much he likes the indoor arenas. Mm-hmm. Um, if I recall, I don't see him playing a lot of indoor events aside from these things. Um, but you know, sure, why not? Look, if if you know, past performance is an indication of future, which is what we like to say, and of <clears throat> past recent, and he certainly looked like he didn't even end the U.S. Open out of gas. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it seems he's in great physical shape, and if he's in great physical shape, then his game has the potential to soar, and I think mm-hmm. that's what we're seeing. I agree, and um, we're going to switch it over to Rafa's semifinal opponent, Juan Martin Del Potro, continues to amaze, mm-hmm. uh, came back from the dead, literally, or came back from the the hospital mat, if you will, after losing uh, two quick sets to Dominic Team, thought about retiring, mm-hmm. says the crowd helped get him through that. Not only does he beat Dominic Team, he then does one better, takes out Federer in the quarters, even was up a set against Rafa, Almost cruel, if you will, for him, though, Karen, uh, with with so many different passages for people in the U.S. Open men's draw that in order for Delpo to reach the final, he would have to beat the eighth seed, which he did, the third seed, which he did, as well as the number one seed to even get to the final. Um, he got two-thirds of that done, um, got one set against Rafa, but um, at the same point in time, uh, all credit to Juan Martin Del Potro for giving a lot of his fans and others in New York a thrilling performance. Yeah. Juan Martin showed amazing heart. Uh, and I was also struck though by the amount of love he was getting from the crowd. I mean, truly, uh, you know, I, when he was playing better, you know, I, I was wondering what that dynamic was going to sound like because I was watching it on television and, you know, the the Delpo cheers were loud and clear. The Federer cheers were loud and clear, but it was certainly not a one-sided crowd. Uh, mm-hmm. And and I love that dynamic. The fact that all the fans, you know, they were into it. They were on their feet. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that's what we we love and what we look for in tennis. And he's another one that sat at Indian Wells in March and was teary about possibly retiring. That he was weeks mm-hmm. away from making that decision. So, yeah, great to see him have to go through that. Does everybody get draws they'd rather not have to deal with in tennis? Absolutely. (laughs) You know, it happens. It happens to everybody that's part of the sport. Um, But, you know, he he knocked people's socks off, and and that's exceptional. No, completely agree. And um, Kevin Anderson, someone who I had a chance to see a little bit of, Karen, and since he – Caught the tail of end of his match against Dolgopolov, uh, who came through qualifying. Kevin Anderson hit 24 aces in two sets against Dolgopolov, was ousted in the first round, uh, but played exceptional tennis in New York. Uh, again, uh, impressed with the fact that he finally put the skids on Pablo Carreno Busta's 16 consecutive set winning streak. Uh, he lost the first set to Karina Busta in the semis, which made that uh, 
16 in a row for Pablo, but then Kevin Anderson corrected course, steamrolled the mm-hmm. rest of the way, got through to the final. Uh, nice to see someone who's been on tour for as long as he has, and uh, probably a career highlight for him, career probably the best he's going to be doing on the ATP tour, but nice run for Kevin Anderson in the final. Yeah, it's great to see these players that have been around for a long time and have had chances and opportunities, but for whatever reason, you know, it just hasn't worked out. Uh, You know, I kind of feel about Kevin Anderson the way I felt about uh, Gilles Mueller and Mm -hmm. things that he's been able to accomplish this year. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's exceptional and it's great to see that, you know, Despite what has or hasn't happened in my career, um, I still love the game. I still want to get out there, and I still believe that I can make these things happen. And mm-hmm. you know, look look what happened. So yeah, and and again, another one with an injury. You know, he had yep. I believe it was a pretty serious hip injury. Uh, you know, so another success story in recovery. And I guess I should say, you know, bravo to all these teams and physios that have been able to yeah. help their players get back into amazing shape to get out there. Completely agree. The, the, the wounded warrior tour. Uh, I like that a lot. And um, Andre Rublev, Karen got all the way to the quarters. And, and this is notable because we we hear so much about next gen and Alexander Zverev. Yes. Uh, two masters, one thousands on uh, a 500 this year. Uh, really, the next big thing, if you will, in tennis. But uh, it was Andre Rublev of all people in the next gen, first one to make it to a major quarterfinal. Uh, did take out David Goffin along the way. Uh, all credit to him before losing mm-hmm. uh, pretty badly to Rafa Nadal, but again, uh, got all the way to the quarterfinals. I had a chance to see him play Gulbis. Uh, this was the first round of qualifying in Cincinnati, and, and Gulbis just destroyed Andre Rublev. Uh, I think it was three and two. Uh, Murder Tunga, uh, who uh, is a journalist, uh, Turkish background, former Davis Cup player for Turkey that I see in Cincy every year. He uh, he was he and I had some DM discussions about Rublev. Um, I elaborate a little bit about that match against Gulbis, and he said, you know what what exactly happened because this is sort of an outlier. I saw him play. You know, I was in Europe all summer. I saw him play very well in in Europe obviously won a tournament as a lucky loser even, and then marched all the way to the quarters. What was it against Gulbis that didn't happen? And really it was a, a veteran uh, player in Gulbis who was serving extremely hard. Uh, mm-hmm. Rublev didn't have a chance, uh, almost destroyed his racket on three occasions. We've seen that little hothead temper once in a while. But um, it just bears repeating that, uh, you know, he's probably one of the least likely if you will, if somebody had to pick a next genner to get to the uh, to reach their first major quarterfinal of all of them, uh, I, Rublev would probably be, you know, seven, eight, ten, twelve on the list, and here he is getting it done. Well, I think that's tennis, you know. Uh, but I will say, and I think I mentioned this, I didn't realize who he was when he was practicing with Dominic Team in Cincinnati. And they were hitting the ball so blazing hard that I stopped him to find out who his name was because I thought he was mm-hmm. a hitting partner. So he definitely caught my attention on that practice court. I was like, whoa, this kid is yep. hitting rockets. Who is this kid? Come to find mm-hmm. out who it was, you know. So, 
there's lots of potential out there. And, you know, we also know that there are lots of supposed gifted players or players with a lot of talent, but a lot of those people never make it because it's okay to have talent, but you have to put in the work. So, you know, um, it's going to be interesting to see what he can do and if this taste of success is going to, you know, light a fire and kind of, you know, keep him moving forward into the next year and, and even through the end of this year. Um, but yeah, I was, I was excited watching him just practicing. So, you know, I, I now know who he is and I'm not forgetting the name and I'm going to keep an eye on him. <laughs> no, good call. I, I, I sort of, um, from some of the, uh, the temper aspects. I, I expect him to meander for the next year or two. I, I saw similar uh, actions from Alexander Zverev two years ago in Cincy, and you know, mm-hmm. he took took a little while for him to break through, and, and that he did. I think Rublev's going to have some growing pains there, um, but as uh, soon as he's able to reach that plateau, uh, absolutely. And Karen Roger Federer, uh, we were both in Cincy when. Uh, Federer was playing the Canada final against Alexander Zverev, and uh, you know near the end of that match, didn't it was just almost mailing it in with the serve. Something was obviously wrong. Um, he skipped Cincinnati and uh, got off to a slow start. Uh, first round match against Tiafo went five. Little surprising there. Uh, Mikhail Yuzhny, who we had beaten 16 consecutive times, down two sets to one, and you're like, okay, something definitely is not uh, working well for Roger Federer uh, with his health. And uh, did get through that, then won the next two over, I think, Lopez and Cole Schreiber, <coughs> excuse me, before running into Del Potro. And uh, Federer himself in press saying, you know, I didn't feel nearly like I did in Melbourne, in London. Uh, wasn't to be. Delpo played great, but... Um, yeah, a little disappointing. Uh, New York yet again is denied the potential Federer-Nadal match. And um, Roger, <clears throat> I'm a little surprised, is committed to playing a pretty full schedule the rest of the way in 2017. I, I'm I'm surprised by that because it mm-hmm. kind of goes against the grain of how he scheduled earlier in the year. And I, mm-hmm. I'm still scratching my head on that one. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I, I went and looked. I was thinking, how many events did he play? And thus far, from Australia to U.S. Open, it's nine events, winning Mm. five titles of the nine, which, you know, is, as we know, a light schedule. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm wondering, obviously he's capable of still playing amazing tennis, but how frequently can he pull that off with his body? at this point, uh, it's yeah. going to be interesting to see. Uh, and I will also say that I kind of like that he's also opened this door, though, for the other players. Um, I think, and I'm just going to sort of, you know, that if Andy or Novak or maybe even Rafa had started doing this, being more pick and choose, and I'm not going to play this, mm-hmm. I'm not going to play that, I don't know if it would have been as accepted as well. And since right. he's doing it, now he's sort of set the precedent and the bar. And, you know, I do hope that the older players who are still in good form, still want to compete, still 
can produce really good tennis, but maybe don't feel the pressure of having to ride the grind 100% of the time to stay in it. it now, you know, uh, a player like Rafa, I don't know if he's ever going to not want to do that because that's sort of his methodology. But, you know, that's going to be interesting to see too because, look, would we rather see these guys every week playing mediocre or getting injured or would we rather see them you know, sprinkled through, throughout the tour um, throughout the year when they can produce their best tennis? And there are arguments both ways, but um, I don't think anyone wants to see any of these guys leave anytime soon. <laughs> No, and, and with that, Karen, I'm, I'm going to interject something because it just came out last week uh, that mm-hmm. I, I'm i not really a fan of it. I'm not a, not sure if you caught this, but uh, 2019, the uh, Rome and Madrid tournaments are going to be 96 draws for the men and the women, just like Indian Wells and Miami. I I don't like it at all. Indian Wells and Miami are, are, are after a major and, and long before the next major. Uh, I don't like that at all and we just talked about you know how veteran players are going to pick and choose wow um you know 32 32 buys if you will like we have in indian wells in miami now a week and a half to uh, you know extra time added on the schedule i don't like it what are your thoughts on that Um, you know i haven't given it a lot of thought yet so i don't know that i necessarily want to throw out a full opinion um you know, let's put it this way. It's, you know, you want to have your top players in there, um, obviously, in terms of ticket sales and draw. And, and you know what? I'll even draw on a little bit of the conversation around Maria and the U.S. Open. And, uh, you know, there was one point of view that said, well, look, you know, if if I have to look at it with this hat on as the tournament director selling tickets, selling ad time, getting sponsors, making sponsors happy with coverage, I'm absolutely giving Maria a wild card. I mean, yeah. I'm a businessman, and that would just be a stupid decision. You know, if I want to look at it from the player's perspective and, you know, everybody's played all year long and you work hard to get your ranking up and you've done the work and all of this stuff, is there an argument to say maybe it's not fair? Sure, if I have that hat on, I can, you know, I can have that. So, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure I have a real good opinion on this just yet. I'll think about it. Okay. No, no problem yeah. at all. And a few other players to talk about before we wrap up. Um, Karenio Busta, 16 sets in a row. Uh, Shapovalov, Karen, was not given a wild card. Uh, came blazing through qualifying, gets all the way to the fourth mm-hmm. round. Diego Schwartzman from Argentina takes out Chilich in, in – Four sets in the third round. Uh, any of those uh, guys you want to talk about? Uh, you know, Karina Wusta, and I've already talked about Dennis, but I'll even mm-hmm. throw in Rublev there. You know, I was trying to figure out what it is that I ob- observe because I'm certainly no tennis aficionado in terms of strokes and all of those things. And when I see some of these players, and I saw it with Fernando Bustad, Indian Wells versus Pablo Cuevas, all I can say is certain players, I watch them, and I see a firecracker. Mm. I see a level of determination. I see almost a unyielding stubbornness that I'm not giving up. Um, mm-hmm. 
and and a heart there that just later on, once I noticed that, seems to play out in a lot of these folks. And, um, you know, I, I was kind of asking myself, what is it that I'm watching? Why do I, you know, form opinions about certain players like this? And, you know, I, I, I think that's it. You know, they obviously are talented. There's lots of talented young people out there. Uh, but the will to compete, the will to fight, the determination to say, I don't care what the score is, I'm not going down, um, mm-hmm. and fight to the last point, I, I think that's a lot of it. And I would say, I won't say I've seen it as much with Rubla, but uh, certainly with Pranabusta and definitely with Shabalala. Oh, interesting. Now, thanks for those observations, absolutely. And, Karen, before we wrap up tonight, any Anything else from the men's 2017 U.S. Open? Um, you know, there were some amazing matches. I, I, I kind of thought about Delpo almost being like um, the Australian Open when we saw, and I'm going to forget her name, I'm sorry, um, the tearjerker story of coming back and having the abuse in her family. Come on, you can remind me of the name. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Anyway, you know, there are just some great stories. I mean, uh, and great stories of recovery, of determination, of I think a lot of people that, I'll say it again, are grateful to be playing and and knowing how fortunate they are um, to be out there every day. And that's a great thing to see in tennis for everybody. It's a wonderful example, and I think the crowds really see it and feel it when you've got that player out there who's demonstrating that. No, I completely agree. Well put. And um, it's going to put a wrap Lucha on Barone, the – Sorry. Lucha well, uh, what's that? I'm sorry? Mariana Lucic-Baroni. Yes, Barone yes. From, from Australia. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, absolutely. No, good, good, good call there. Absolutely. And Karen, that's going to put a wrap on our uh, coverage from the 2017 U.S. Open. So on behalf of Karen Health, this is Pete Zebron saying good night. We'll catch you next time on Replay the Point. Good night. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.